little scared. I know what's under here. And I don't know if I go too long today. Somebody's going to push a button and, and there we, there we go. But hey, it is, it is great to be back with you. Sherry and I, uh, feel like this is our home away from home. We really, really feel that way. And, uh, uh, I'll tell you what, there's a, there's a, there's a thick oil of the presence of the Lord on this house. And the oil of the Lord does a lot of things. It heals, it revives, but it makes us pliable, you know. And, and I want to thank you for receiving the oil of the Lord because you've gone through changes. I mean, I, I don't know like a third of you at least. I've never seen you before. I'm glad to see you today and glad you're part of this house. This is We've been connected at the heart to this house for a number of years, and we've you know, we've walked with y'all through seasons and aren't there are seasons, aren't there? There are, there are seasons and the Lord's really bringing into an amazing season of restoration and renewal. And, um, and, and, uh, I've got some, if I don't watch, I'll get into this and my wife will just be standing here the whole time. That wouldn't be polite at all. So, um, uh, I'm so proud of Sherry and I celebrate 41 years together this June. And, uh, I was, uh, I was, I was the shyest guy in my class in high school and, uh, was pasted on the wall and she peeled me off and, and Jesus used her to kick fear right out the door of my life. And she's, so I am so grateful for my my fun and furious wife. So, uh, yay. Oh, I just wanted to take this opportunity to greet everyone, too. It's so good to be back. We just love this house. I, in fact, when I was waking up uh, about a week before we were preparing to come down, I felt like the Lord said that he was giving you folks a fresh identity, a fresh identity. And I was like, wow, what is this? And then, like, what David was saying about the seasons, I feel like... Um, it's, it's like a new season, a fresh identity. It's a process of your maturation. Like, you know, when you're a child, you think as a child, you grow as a child. But as you grow, you take on a, a different identity, a new presentation, if you will. And I really feel like the Lord is going to give you folks a new presentation, a new new fresh identity. That's what I felt like he said to me, too. And I, even as we were worshiping, I felt like the Lord said he wants to make this place a pool of Bethesda. And I feel like there's extra angels that are assigned. I felt the, like the Lord said even battalions of angels are assigned to this place. They've been assigned to this place. They're, they're assigned for renewal and refreshing of people. Uh, but it's also, they've also been assigned for the purpose of encounter. God wants to encounter his people in this place. And you're going to feel the, the brush of angel wings really seriously that you're going to feel an encounter with Jesus Christ in this place and so God's setting you up to be a place of encounter a place of healing a place of blessing so it's just my joy to be here and just celebrate with you guys all the Lord's done in this past year and there's more to come there's more to come there's more to come and it's exciting you get to do it together it's awesome yay Wow. Yeah, that's Sila in English. Wow. Yeah, 
else. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to share a word with you today that's very dear to my heart, literally. Uh, I, I believe that the Lord is healing the soul of his people. When the Holy Spirit, when we encounter the Holy Spirit, when we're born again by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're sons and daughters of the Lord. But our soul needs some work. And uh, I, I know that uh, in the Bible it says that we are body, soul, and spirit. And I used to think of it like my grandma's counter in her kitchen. She had uh, flour, sugar, and coffee on in these canisters. And so I thought body, soul, and spirit are like these different canisters. But actually, we are so weaved together that what's going on in my spirit's got to affect my soul and what's happening in my soul affects my body and a lot of folks are battling physical sickness because there's stuff in their soul that really needs a ministry of the lord and 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 the holy spirit's reviving our spirit but if it doesn't bleed into our soul i had so many seasons in my life where i had these amazing encounters with the lord they were like mountaintop spiritual experiences and then i'd go right back down the valley and slip into depression and fear and struggle with stuff, had all kind of triggers in my life. My my soul was like a minefield and folks didn't know if they'd step on a mine and get something blown off and or I'd blow up. And and I realized that that Jesus wanted to he's the lover of our soul. And and he cares about our soul and our soul is the deepest part of who we are. That's why David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul and all, all that's within me that is the deepest part and, and the de- from the depths of God. Do you know that like 20 sometime, 28 times in the, in the Bible, it speaks of the soul of God. And David said, deep cries out to deep. From the depths of his soul, God cries out to the depths of our soul to heal us and restore us. In fact, David said, he's my shepherd and he restores my soul. So he really wants to minister deeply to our soul. And here, here's, here's why. Long before Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Long before Jesus said, when we pray, we should pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that's a powerful prayer. And we call it the Lord's prayer, but actually it's the disciples prayer. Because in the prayer, Jesus said we should pray, forgive us our sins, and Jesus never sinned. So it's really not his prayer. It's our prayer, okay? He taught us how to pray. They said, teach us how to pray. He said, here's how y'all pray. So this is our prayer. Now, Jesus never calls us to pray something that he's not going to answer. So think of what he said to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done right here on the earth. Not kind of like, but just just as it is in heaven. It's, but long before Jesus said that, it's always been on the heart of God to fill the earth with heaven. To flood the earth with heaven. In fact, the very first command given in the Bible to people was in Genesis one twenty eight. God said, be fruitful. And that speaks of our soul. It means to be thriving, to be fully alive. You be fruitful, you thrive, you be fully alive. And multiply, spread it around. Get contagious. Start thriving. Spread health all around. And then, guess what? Fill the earth 
and subdue it. Now, the subdue part means there's going to be some opposition to it. But guess what? You can subdue it. You can submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee from us. So, so there's going to be opposition to heaven filling earth. But I believe God's healing the soul of his spirit, uh, the soul of his people to make us fruitful, to make us healthy. And then out of that healthy place, it just spreads. Because if we're all bound up, messed up, and stuck, who's going to want some of that? Nobody. Nobody. But you start, <laughs> you start enjoying the Lord in the depths of your soul. And I'm telling you, people around you are going to start flocking to the healer of your soul and our soul. So I believe the Lord's doing it. And we've been, we've been in a season where the Lord's been ministering deeply to our soul. I want to share with you just a couple things today, some practical stuff on, on ways that, that I feel like God tells us in his word to keep, keep an eye on our soul and, and keep it in a healthy place. So I want to look here with you at third John. It's the last letter that John wrote, uh, that we have in the, in, in scripture to his friend Gaius. And he says in verse two, first of all, he says, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Here's another translation, the passion translation. Beloved friend, I pray that you're prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. And that word prospering means to have a successful journey, to come to the place of fulfillment. Jesus wants your soul and my soul to be so healthy and so thriving that our body's healthy, that our spirit's soaring and sailing, and that the encounters we have with people are so, so powerfully healthy. And so I want to give you some practical, uh, if you will, healthy habits for your soul. And there are seven of them. And don't worry. I know there's a tank under here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be here all day, but I just want to give you, I just want to give these to you. Here's number one. And these are ones that have band-aids all over them. <laughs> and, and I've, I've been learning them. Let me tell you everything I'm about to say. I'm learning. Notice the ING on the end. I'm in the process of learning these things. I got the Holy Spirit here and my wife, and they both, were, you know, they both, and sometimes they sound the same. And so if I'm, if I'm trying to snow anybody today, um, they both will let me know that I am. So I'm, I'm in the process of learning these things, but I, I pass them on because I'll tell you what, God's increasing the capacity of this house. And the capacity of this house is not known by how many seats are in this room. It's by how healthy and thriving we are. And as God heals our soul, he increases our capacity to love people, to minister to people, to be so out of our own stuff that we can help folks with their stuff. To be so breathing healthy air and thriving that uh, we can tune into the Holy Spirit. And we're not just hearing the echoes of our own wounded soul all the time. So here's number one. Develop a healthy rhythm in your life. Moses wrote one psalm. 
that we have recorded, Psalm 90. And in the middle of the psalm, he said this to the Lord. Teach us how to number or order our days that we may have a heart filled with wisdom. Or teach me how to wisely order my time. Jesus said, and he, if anybody had a healthy soul, Jesus did. In fact, Jesus said, if you, if you come to me and you take my yoke on you, which means you're going to learn how to learn how to move and learn how to live, how to walk. You take my yoke upon me. You learn me. Literally, it is not just learn of me. You're going to learn me. I want to teach you me. And when you, when you learn me, here's what happens. You find rest for your soul. See, see, Paul said in Romans 12, he said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, not a burnt offering. I've seen folk, you know, I used to use this phrase when I was, when I was young and crazy and I'm now older and crazy. Um, but, uh, now I'm a, I don't know what we are as you get a little bit older. I mean, they have all these labels. Here's what I, what I love about this house is you're going to be such an intergenerational house that you're not going to really know what labels people got on them. I, I mean, I feel like I, I know they're millennials. I'm, I'm a perennial. I, we look like we're, we're. We look like we're dying every year, but we come back. We come back. We got, we got sap in these trees, you know. We, we come back. But uh, uh, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. He didn't allow anybody to tell him what to do. Even his mama. In his mo- Remember his mama tried to get in there and mess with him? Jewish mama trying to... T- you come home right now. You get back. He's, he said, I'm, hey, I'm, I've come to do the will of my father. And I only do what my father's doing. And I believe the, the, the father wants to help us with our time. Now, I'll tell you what. There are some folks that need to say yes more. Okay. There's some folks that need to contribute who they are. We need you. And there there's some folks that are quick to just let everybody else do it. And. They just back off and they think, they think humility is just saying, well, I don't have anything. And that's not humility. That's just stupid. Uh, the, uh, actually, uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself or putting yourself down. Humility is being so secure in who you are. You think of yourself less and you're free to think of somebody else who needs to be touched by the Lord and healed by the Lord. So, so um, here, here are just a couple things. If you have a tendency... To, so for those who need to say yes more, just I'll just let that settle. And I'll just let that be with you and the Lord. Because we, we need everybody to show up. There's never been a human being like you. And there never will be. And how the Lord moves through you is so unique to you that if you don't show up, something's missing. It's like that. It's like soup and something's... There's something not in here that should be in here. It just just doesn't taste right. Well, we, we need everybody. I spent so many years hiding and silent, you know. And I mean, I opened up my yearbook, and I was the superlatives, the most likely to succeed. I was the, sh- the shyest, and they had me and another young lady hiding behind a bush. My forehead is in the yearbook. And I looked at it one day, and I thought, what is wrong with that? I'm not hiding anymore. Wasn't made to hide. So, so that's for y'all. But if, if you have a hard time saying no, if you tend to overcommit, I've got a couple things for you today. Um, 
If you constantly think, if I don't do it, it won't get done, I want to tell you that doesn't necessarily apply to every situation. Could very well be that somebody else who's called and appointed to do it needs to step in. And if you keep stepping in, you keep them from enjoying what it means to contribute. So treat your soul and your body like a checking account. And if you're giving out more than you're putting in, it's not a good situation. Burnout means you're giving out more than you're drinking in. And so so we don't have to burn out. It when when you have tended to overcommit yourself, here are a couple of questions to ask yourself. Number one, what am I doing that somebody else has called and gifted to do? Number two, is this a good opportunity that's keeping me from the best? Because often good things are the enemy of the best thing. Here's the third question, last one. What opportunities clearly require my investment and coincide with my calling? Those are the ones you want to step into. And God, you can tell when the grace is on it and when the grace is not on it. And when the grace is on it, it's a joy. It's work, but it's a joy. And it feeds you. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my Father. He wasn't starving him, his soul to do it. He was thriving in the middle of it. So that's number one. Here's number two. Be hopeful. Be hopeful. Instead of imagining the worst, picture how God is going to break through with his best. God created our imagination not for worry, but for faith. And there are constant assaults. I love the songs we were singing today. Powerful worship time with your team and with y'all. Just a wonderful time. God is silencing fear. And our imagination was never made to be used to be afraid of everything that could possibly happen. And there is a spirit in our culture that will hit you with fear at every turn. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating being uninformed. But I want to tell you, there is a spirit, on, and I could say every news station. <clears throat> and I'm not just going to bust on CNN today. My, my mom and dad are addicted. I've been addicted to Fox News. And I, I think the tagline should be scaring old people for de- decades. I mean, it's, they, they just, there is frequently a spirit in which news is reported like this is it and it's going to get worse. And you, I want to tell you, God is right now infusing his people with hope, a confident, confident and joyful anticipation that he'll fulfill every promise he's ever made. He is not jerking our chain when he says, this is who I am and this is what I'll do. We, we have yet to see a generation rise up so full of hope and faith and confidence in God. So I believe he's healing our soul so that he can renew and heal our imaginations. So we imagine what, what, what fulfillment is going to look like. Now, you say, well, but I'm in the middle of something and it's not good yet. Well, hang on. He works all things together for good. And if good didn't come yet, he's not done. Let's just, let's just ride that thing out and see where he's taking us. So be hopeful. Here's a, see, uh, God, God told his people to do to do a number of things. And one of the things he said is, when I've done a breakthrough, when I've done a miracle among you, take a pile of stones and pile them up. And then take a field trip with your kids. 
and say, okay, see that pile of stones? Right there, God parted the waters. Right there, God made a way where there looked like there was no way. Right there, God fed us and took care of us. Right right there, God answered our prayer and defeated our enemy. That's what he did. Now, we have a choice. We can either take field trips of the memorial stones of God's breakthrough, or we can go back time and time again to the trenches of disappointment. And and I'm advocating going to the memorial stones of breakthrough and letting our minds rehearse what God has done. Even if you, David borrowed some from generations before him. A number of his Psalms, he just said, and, 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 and he parted the Red Sea. Well, David wasn't even there when it happened. But he just said, I want to tell you that God did a breakthrough and he'll do it again. He lived by a testimony. So, here's what Philippians 4.4 uh, 4 and verse 8 says in the, I love the Passion Translation. I don't know if you've heard, if, you, if you've come across that one yet, but it's really, it's really powerful. Uh, here, here's that, that translation of, of Philippians 4. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of your life. Now, every season. That's, that's, you know, that's every season. I know, I know y'all don't experience the seasons quite the same way we do in Pennsylvania. We, we just came through winter and I tell you, I like it less and less every year. We have, I mean, December's okay with little snow globe snow coming down and Perry Como singing the chipmunk song and all it's, that's nice. But in February, we, it's, it's like the slushy machine broke and pours this junk all over the place. And it's just not fun. But in every season of life, even the ones where you wonder, how long is this going to go? How long, when's this going to end? In every season of life, be cheerful and rejoice. Let joy overflow for you're united with, you are united with the anointed one. You're united with the anointed one. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. You know, I'm finding when I, when I bless the Lord with my soul, my body likes it. My spirit likes it. There is this amazing... We were created for this. We were designed. We were designed. When I start thinking every rotten thought, every worrisome, fearful thought, my stomach gets all gnarled up. My, my, my back hurts. My neck hurts. I believe that there is physical pain that literally comes with, with setting our soul on the wrong thing. And there's healing and wholeness and restoration and vitality that comes... With, uh, with blessing the Lord at all times with all our soul. Here's the third one. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from them. Don't waste them. <clears throat> here's, here's what I've discovered. When you process your past failures with the Father, He turns it into wisdom. He turns it into wisdom. David said... Um, in the presence of the Lord, Psalm 27, he said, I inquire in his presence. Now, I've heard some people say, well, yeah, inquiring in the presence of the Lord means you can go and you can grill him. You can interrogate him. 
Where were you? Why did you? I want to tell you that that is actually not the, the word that David uses. The word he uses for inquiring means to submit to the counsel of the Lord. It's to go to him for counsel. And it's to say, okay, Father, it's to be real. Now, now people love the Psalms. You know why? Because it's real. It's real. It's, it's totally real. He's, and do you know that the most popular site on uh, uh, the f- hashtag on social media is um, uh, unfiltered? People like things real. They like it. Well, the Bible is unfiltered. There's nobody photoshopped in, in the Bible. You get them real and raw and shocking. But in his realness, David learned how to process his pain with the Lord and receive the counsel of the Lord and learn from the mistakes. And if, if you've read about David, you know he's made mistakes. And yet God called him a man after my own heart because he knew how to come even after the failure and come to the Lord and receive Receive the counsel of the Lord. It's just amazing. Uh, the people who have most impacted the world are those who have learned to honorably and honestly talk with God. So don't waste your mistakes. Don't cringe over your failures. Go to not only the one who forgives, but the one who turns them into wisdom. Here's number four. Quickly release offenses. I'd have to say one of the most damaging things to do with our soul is to retain unforgiveness and bitterness against somebody else. And uh, the I, I would say the number one root in a wounded soul is someone who refuses to let go, refuses to let go of offenses and disappointments they've had with God, with others, even themselves. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is us, and we've got to we've got to step into that. Now, uh, Jesus Jesus um, advice, uh, which wasn't taught in a parable, it's right out there. Jesus said this, Matthew 18, 15. If you've been offended, go to your brother, go to your sister. If you know know that somebody's offended you, Matthew 5, go to your brother, your sister. He's the same solution. But whether you've been offended or you've offended somebody, go to your brother and sister. Let me me just spell that one out. Stop talking to the wrong people. The unforgiveness grows in the climate of talking about your offense with everybody but the person that you need to deal with. <laughs> Listen to this one from the, uh, the, the Passion Translation, Proverbs twenty six twenty. Gossip is fuel to an offense. Stop talking to others about it and it'll go away. Isn't that good? Gossip is a fuel to a, to a an offense. Stop talking to others about it and it will go away. Now, one of the most powerful pictures of forgiveness in the Bible is Joseph forgiving his brothers for thinking about either killing him or selling him and, and really messed up his future plans big time. And at the end of it all, Joseph makes these comments when he finally meets his brothers after all those years in, in a foreign land, all that they're all that their bitterness and jealousy did to him. He said, what you meant for evil, God used for good in my life. Now, when I've read that story and told that story, I usually stop there. But the other day, I, I, I kept reading. 
And I read three verses later, and it says that Joseph, three generations later, he sat three generations later. His kids, his grandkids, his great-grandkids, he sat them on his lap and taught them. That is the fruit of forgiveness. That is the fruit of a thriving soul that's not gnarled up with bitterness. He, he had his wits about him. He, had, he lived a long life and he got to pour in to his great, great grandchildren because bitterness lost its grip on his soul. And I have seen people, you know, a number of years ago I was in India and we were praying for people uh, for healing in these meetings. And it was packed with people. And a young woman came up and she she walked very, uh, very uh, uh, difficultly. And her her uh, she had a dress that came to about here. And I saw her legs from her knees down to her ankles were twisted. And so the pastor told me her story. He said her mother was an alcoholic. When she was a little baby, she didn't stop crying one night. And her mama grabbed a board and beat her legs till they broke in several places. Never took her to the doctor. Never had those bones set so they grew back crooked. And she could barely walk because of that. So she came up to us. And she said, uh, I'd like prayer. She was speaking Telugu through the interpreter. I thought she was going to say, I want Jesus to heal my legs. She said this, I have been bitter all my life against my mom for what she did to me. I want Jesus to help me forgive my mom. And so uh, we, we prayed with her for her to forgive her mom. Now, I was taught in Sunday school as a kid to keep my eyes closed when I pray. I don't think that's more spiritual. I think it was crowd control so that we wouldn't be whacking somebody while we're praying, you know. So, so, but that particular time, I decided not to keep my eyes closed. And I looked down and I watched Jesus before my eyes heal her legs. I had never seen anything like it in my life. I watched those legs straighten out and it was it almost to me it looked like 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 when a clown is making a balloon animal and blows up that it looked like that it was just they were filling out and 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 her eyes got really big and next thing she started to she started to walk and then she went to that end and then she came back and walked a little faster and and then there was a line kind of like uh kind of like a disco line on either side, you know, when people dance down the middle of the thing. That's the best way I can illustrate it. So there are people on one side, people on the other side, and she's going down through, and she's turning around. She's, her smile's getting bigger, and then she's, then she's walking a little more, and, and she's all but, all but running back and forth, and she kept saying the same phrase over again. la 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 and, and I, I said, what's she saying? It was, in, it was in her language, her Telugu language. I thought she was saying, I can walk, I can walk, I can walk. He said, she's saying, the pastor had a hard time even telling me. He said, she's saying, I forgive her. I forgive her. She, she was more t- delighted to be freed from bitterness 
than even to have her legs healed. I have seen people's countenance change as the grace of Jesus goes right into their soul and, and lifts them out of that place of bitterness. The, the lie of bitterness is you think you're punishing the person who wounded you, but you're actually punishing yourself. You're actually reducing yourself. Actually, punishment is punishment. You're actually beating your soul down to be less and less and less. Jesus is healing us to restore us. And don't, don't, here's, here's the thing I had a hard time with. I was holding on to this justice issue. If I forgive them, does that mean that they're, that, that, that they're somehow right and I just have to get over it? And I felt like the Father said, no, you're releasing them into my hands to minister to them as well. So take them out of your hands and turn them over. She turned her mama over to Jesus that day and Jesus released her soul. So um, here's number five. Respect yourself. It's, it is part of life that not everybody will like you. In fact, in fact Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. That might be why some of you have in-laws. So it's just make sure that doesn't happen, you know. <laughs> Not everybody's going to like you or me all the time. But we have to forgive them, love them, bless them, pray for them. But if you have an inordinate amount of people who abuse you, maybe you don't like you. And you're sending them the message, join the club. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Carolyn Leaf said this, you will surround yourself with people who punish you if you don't respect you. God wants us to like being who we are. And, and a healthy soul can say, I am grateful that you made me. It's, you say, well, is, is that, you know, is that... Is that self-love? Is that we're, we're to deny ourselves and take up our cross? Does that mean we beat ourselves up? Does that mean we put ourselves down in the name of Jesus? I don't believe so. I used to be so afraid of, of being conceited that I, I went the other way. And uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's not the place to live. The father said to Jesus, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus didn't say, oh, dad, sorry, nah, not me. Actually, later he said, the father himself loves me. I love, we were singing identity songs today. There, why? I believe the Holy Spirit is ministering identity to the people of God. I am hugely loved by my Father, and He's crazy about me. I am who you say I am. Always. And the, and the, more, you, the more you know that, the more you're free to tell other people who they are and who the Father says that they are. So... Number six is closely related. Live to please the Lord. Not striving to please everybody else. 
That'll take its toll on your soul. Here's how Paul put it in Galatians 6, verse 4. Let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence. And their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves, not in being affirmed by others. Find your joy in doing what the Father has created and called you to do. Then, then you won't be manipulated by people you're striving to please. And then really, we'll be able to love people without any agenda. Without any strings attached, we'll be, we'll be very free. You know, one of the most powerful transformations in the Bible is Jacob. And Jacob's name means heel grabber. So he w- Because when he was born, he was grabbing his brother Esau's heel... They were fighting in the womb. Poor mama. I'm talking. Mother's Day, big time flowers for that mama, what those boys put her through. But he was heel grabber. He hung on. He's striving, constantly striving to up one up one up on his brother. And when God met Jacob and changed his life. He changed his name to Israel, which means one who wrestles or clings to God. He went from being a heel grabber to a God clinger. He went from hanging on to trying to prove it in the human arena to knowing who he was with God. When we live to please the Lord, he is not hard to please. He is not hard to please. He he says, one look from your eye overwhelms my heart. I mean, there are times I run out of words to tell him in worship and I just kind of go. Overwhelms his heart. We just look at him. We just we just cry out to him. And and, and, and he gives us he, he said, he said, you know what? You want to make a difference in the world? Give a cup of cold water to somebody who's thirsty. Something simple. He said, it's, he is not hard to please. And we live to please him. We're set free. Here's the last one. Learn to laugh at yourself. <clears throat> I didn't realize that I was a perfectionist until I had kids. And kids will mess up your perfectionism in your soul big time. You know? You want to go to work to, to, to impress the people you work with and you've got uh, Cheerios pasted on your rear end because they turned your van into a Cheerio pit. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize how perfectionist I was until something happened at the, at the table when we sat down for a meal. Uh, we, have, we have three children, and they're three years apart. So, w- w- when 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 we were sitting around the table, this is the this is the scripture. It's not actually scripture, but it sounds scriptural. Where where two or three are gathered, someone spills something. That was that. That's what happened. And my seat was at the crack in the table. You know where the, the parts came together. So never never fail. They would spill. Right down the crack, and there it would, you know, there would go all over me. And so one night, I just had had enough of it. And so even before anybody had a chance to spill something, I stood up and I waxed pastoral. 
And, and I, in my preacher voice, I started to say, when we sit down here, we've got to respect one another. And we've got to stop being so careless that we're spilling things because they get all over people, especially dad. And so I want this stopped. And I'm, I'm moving my hands back and forth as I'm, and I hit my glass of water and spilled it all over my plate. I got green beans floating around like a log jam in a river. The kids just sat there horrified. And my wife, my helpmeet, started to laugh. And then the kids started to laugh. And then I went to the Lord, my shepherd, my shield, my fortress. And do you know what he said? We're laughing up here too. So why don't you laugh with us? Now, I'm not saying that that night I was healed, but something got adjusted in my soul to lighten up and to loosen up and to learn to laugh more. And uh, Proverbs says that laughter is like a healing medicine. Proverbs 17, 22. Um, Paul says, I, I had a hard time laughing at myself. Because I viewed life more as a competition. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, it's foolish to constantly compete with and compare ourselves with other people. Paul called himself the worst of sinners. Remember that? Well, he didn't do it because he took a survey. What did you do? How about you? What'd you do? Okay, I'm still the worst. I'm still the worst. Do you know what I believe Paul was saying? I refuse to play the comparison game. I refuse to play the competition game. I choose to live in a place where I am so grateful for the grace of God in my life that that's what I'm going to celebrate, the grace of God in my life, and not try to compare or class myself with some other folks. Well, at least I didn't do that, or at least I didn't do that. Listen. As far as I'm concerned, I'm the worst of sinners. As far as I'm concerned, I needed the grace of Jesus more than anybody else. And I'm just grateful that he poured his grace out on me and not his judgment out on me. So, here's what a healthy soul looks like. A healthy soul will not let our external world disturb our internal world. We won't let what's going on around us change what's happening inside of us. So, Jesus said, take my yoke, learn me, and guess what? You're going to find rest for your soul. And John said, I love this, I love this in, in uh, 1 John 3.19. He said, we have learned how to set our heart. Actually, the word heart and the word soul are used interchangeably. They're frequently from the same original word. They're used interchangeably in the Old and New Testament. He said, I've learned how to set my heart at rest in the presence of the Lord. That's the place. That's where our hearts were created to be. That's where our soul was created to be. Finding this resting place. Finding this nestling place in him. And uh, then our capacity to love. Our capacity to enjoy life. Our capacity to be led by the Lord into amazing adventures. Do things you never thought you'd be doing. I've just looked back over this past year. Things I never thought I'd be doing. And 
and I've, I've watched my wife just come into her own. It's been a joy. Uh, a couple months ago, we were in Budapest, Hungary. I, I've never been, I haven't been to, you know, lots of foreign countries. I've been to India a few times and Haiti a few times and, and New Jersey uh, a few times. And uh, New Jersey's scary for me. You, if you go on the toll roads, they let you in free, but you have to pay to get out. There's, there's something about that that says it all. But, you know, I was, I, was watching, uh, I was watching my wife, and she's been such an encouragement to me to live in a healthy, thriving soul place. And uh, we went to a conference with leaders from 16 nations in, in Europe. And uh, she was the first woman to ever be allowed to speak there. And, uh, and I, w- I watched her get up in front of a room full of primarily men who didn't look too friendly. You know, and uh, and I I watched the Lord just with perfect love cast out fear in her own heart because it's I'm having an easy time today. Y'all are friendly, but she stood up in front of people that are from nations where if you they don't like you, you're missing. <laughs> and I, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm German. If we backslide, we get drunk. If, if you're from those parts of the world, you backslide, you kill somebody. It's, it's so, so, uh, <laughs> I just watched my wife lovingly talk to these men. She got up and said, I'm a mom. Can I talk to you like a mom? And I watched, there was one guy, he was like my barometer in the room. He, he was, I mean, the body language was like barbed wire. I watched that old boy melt. I just watched God just go down through him. He actually came up tearfully to Sherry at the end and said, can I have your notes? I want to preach that again because people of Hungary need to hear that word. And I just, I just watched. Perfect love. It, it works. It works. It works with people. It works with dogs. We got a rescue dog that was so scared it didn't come near me for two weeks. She'd, she'd see me. She'd make the cross sign. Like, Get away. <laughs> and, and now I walk in the door and she jumps on my head and licks me and laps me. And she, it's just amazing. In fact, it has Sherry jealous at times. She says, boy, you don't greet me like that. I said, well, if I come in the door and you go, I'll greet you first, you know. So... Anyway, I want to pray for y'all. I want to pray for your soul. I believe the Lord's healing the soul of his people in these days to increase our capacity. Because I'll tell you what, I, I agree with Sherry. This house has become an, a pool of Bethesda. Some friends of ours live in Israel. They live in Jerusalem and they live near what's just been discovered to be the pool of Bethesda. There was a tourist pool of Bethesda that looked like uh, a drinking fountain. And, and, uh, but they found the original pool of Bethesda. It's, it's got five porches and five gigantic, massive swimming pool-like pools. There's a huge, huge capacity for people to get healed. 
And I feel like God's making it not just this little drinking fountain of healing, but this huge, with a huge capacity to see people healed. Uh, not just when they come here, but as we all are out wherever we are. So that our capacity to hear his voice, our capacity to trust him, to believe. You can look at the worst situation and know that Jesus can turn this around. So let's do this. How about if we put our hand on our heart? Jesus, thank you that you are the lover of my soul. Thank you that you died to save my soul. You restore my soul. Your deepest part cries out to the deepest part within me to wash over me and renew me and heal me and restore me. Thank you, Jesus, that you not only carried our sin to the cross, and our physical diseases to the cross. But you carried our sorrows, those things that afflict the soul. You carried every one of them to the cross. So right now, Jesus, thank you. I declare that I'm on a healing journey. <laughs> I'm on a healing journey. And, and, and just as John wrote to his friend, I'm going to see success on this journey. My soul is going to prosper. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to step by step come into that place of great increase. So remove. I see the Lord right now. At the roots, he's causing bitterness to dry up at the roots. Thank you for listening to this Sunday sermon. Subscribe to our podcast for new messages weekly. Visit ChristianRenewalHHI.org for more resources. We hope you have a blessed week.